It ends with no exceptions. Love one another. Love God. The whole Bible is summed up really several times. It says that in that one clear uh, statement of faith and belief that uh, a Christian's life, a God follower's life, is built upon the concept of loving God. The, the major commandment, Jesus gathers his disciples together and he wants to lay out what's most important to him. <clears throat> he starts, you, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, that inner being, the soul, the reality of who we are in our intellect. We're supposed to love God with all parts of our life. And uh, the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law uh, and all the demands of the prophets, everything that's written, are based on those two. Love God vertically, love God, your love neighbor, horizontally inside of our world. You know, this is a, and this is a, a challenging love. Now, we're going to talk today a lot about the misuse in our culture of the word love. So, to start out, I wanted to kind of explain the Greek word love, which is agape. And it is a, uh, it was a special word that actually was created for Jesus' ministry when anything that Jesus talked about in relating to God. Agape love is godly love. It's humble. It's unselfish. It is unconditional. It is unmerited. And it never changed. It's not an emotional love that goes up and down with emotions. It's the reality that we live in. It's the, uh, if you will, the guardrails on both sides of us that keep us going in the right direction. That's God we love. It's a special love, uh, not natural, earthly love. It's how God loves us. And I'm just going to touch on this in just a moment when it says, you love God with all of your mind. Loving God is the most rational thing we can do. Stop and think. If there is a God, wouldn't it be rational? To love and worship him? Wouldn't it be rational if that God loved us enough to send his son to die for us? Wouldn't it be the rational response to such truth that it's, that it's put and presented in front of us to the point of death on the cross? Yes, it's rational. And so Jesus says, we're to love like he loves. We're to love humbly, unselfishly, unconditionally, without reason. Uh, for that specific love. It's a love that never changes. It's because who we are. Jesus made it clear. Crystal clear. And, it's, and it becomes that binding force inside our eyes. There are eyes, the video said, no exceptions. You know, and we're starting up a series, this is the first week of it, that deals with love. And uh, I think in 2019, I don't think there could be a better start as we go forward in it. But the series, uh, it says one other thing in the video. It says the series of love defines us, and as the world looks at us, that's what they see. Uh, they say, love, love one another. Just as I love you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. As people look at us, our proof for, for being followers of Christ is not a t-shirt. It's not a bumper sticker. It's not even a coffee cup. Can you imagine? But the proof that we're a follower of Christ is very simple. It's our love for God. 
As the world looks at that, they should respond in a way of actually amazement. We they should look at a, a Christian husband and wife loving each other. They're going to go, ooh. They should look at a, a family that's, that's united and supporting each other and loving each other, and they should go, they should see us being allowed on Mission Ridgecrest, on different activities that we do all over town, all the other churches do. They should look at Christians, and they should go, there's something unique, special, not weird, but different, drawing, winsome, as far as Christians are concerned, that will draw us to us. So we're going to go through this series, and we're going to start today with loving God. Next week, and again, Always in each of these is agape. We want to agape God uh, the way He loves us. We want to uh, love our neighbors, love our enemies. That's going to be that's going to be a fun one. You might build a list of your enemies, bring it in here with you. Oh, bring your enemies! Wouldn't that be way cool? Are we can have a reconciliation time. Here? That's cool. Love the needy, the poor, the homeless. Love our family. Love, we live in a, a, an age of dysfunctional families. There's always someone on the outs or someone on the ins. And so we're going to be talking about loving family. Love diversity. This is huge in our country today. Uh, the divisions, the strife, and race, religion, politics, education, wealth, sexual orientation can drive us apart. And yet we're, we're commanded to go over all that into love. We'll talk about what that looks like. And then at the end, love other Christians. I said this last night, our goal, if, if you have a Baptist, bring them, at the end, we're all going to hug them. And, and so love for other religions and Christians. Often, the, the battle between Christian churches very divisive. We want the world to see that we're loving uh, other people, even though they have a doctrinal difference. It doesn't affect salvation. Right. Sounds simple. Love God, love your neighbor. It's the whole Bible. And the answer as we go forward, it should be so obvious. And that's what we want to talk about each week. How can we make our love for God and each other obvious to the world? You know, and as we start, I, I have to do this uh, because it's true. It's, this is about me. I, I want to be able to show God's love. I want to be able to love God in such a way that other people look at my life and see that it's real. Not put on, not just one hour on Sunday, not just this, not just that. But the reality that I truly love God by everything in my lifestyle. My words, my attitudes, all of that. And, and I want to be able to love other people. I want to be able to love my wife and, and in such a way that others will look and, and, and say, that's God. I want to love my kids. I want to love the church. I want to love people. I want that. I want to be able to give love. And I want to be able to receive love in a healthy, functional way. And I think I speak for everyone. I, I don't think I have to, uh, I, don't have, I don't have any doubt of that. Because one of the great human needs is, is love in our personal relationships. The ability to receive it, to be able to pass it on to other people back and forth. The showing and receiving of love is a basic human need. It is common to all of us. Real relationships with real love make life worthwhile. You know, when I, when I do memorials, which I do quite a few of them, I did one yesterday, but one of the things that a memorial service is sort of, you know, the, the fluff of life is often stripped away. 
Because out of the midst of a family, someone is just torn away and, and they're gone. Sometimes without warning or preparation of the family. And then we get together and we talk about that. We, we gather for memorial services. I'm sure you've all been to multiple memorial services and have been maybe participants in, in the, the grieving family. But in some, I'll sit up here and I'll look and, 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 and the, the rows of the front, the family normally sits up front, there's just tears running. There's uh, uh, real sorrow, real missing, real pain for this person that's gone. That person was loved to the point of tears in their absence. And I, I don't think, I, you know, I'm not going to say that, oh, you want a bunch of mourners up front, so hire a couple dozen. That's what they used to do. No, we want to so impact people's lives that, that, that we're part of it in a positive way. So love is this, is this reality thing. But now here's where we get into a, a challenge. Uh, real love is hard to find. Uh, it, it's harder than we think many times. The reason is why we need this series. We need to be able to look at our culture because if we look at the news media, we look at the political system, we look at our families, our communities, and sadly even some of our churches, we don't see real love. We live in a, in 2019, we live in a world with false prophets that appear that have deceived so many people about re what real love is. Uh, you know, in this, uh, this real love isn't a pitter-pat of the heart that comes and goes and fades. And, you know, if, if, you, if you burn my breakfast, I don't love you anymore. If you don't give me chocolate, I'll still love you. It's not conditional. This, it, false prophets come and say it's this emotional thing that comes and goes. Uh, the people's love has, we've grown cold in our country. Families split and divide, communities split and divide, churches split and divide into different places. Our love has, has grown cold. And as I got ready, I, I thought about our country. Our country was founded by biblical Christians honoring God, following his lead to establish a, a republic here that honored God in all that it did. The foundation of the principles came out of the Bible. And, and over the years, it started in a, Christ, a spiritual revival when our country started. Over the years, we've had revivals. But we're certainly at that point in our country where we've fallen from that first love. We, we've fallen from the love of God that founded our country. We often don't see that. It, it's taught that it never existed. In the school systems, they've changed history so that they can change the reality that we live in today. And so it, it's time that we turn back to, to our first love, our real love. And this is in all areas of our life. You know, I, I've seen both sides as an adult. I, I became a Christ follower, most of you know, at 33, lived way out in the world. And uh, I've made ultra incredible mistakes. Uh, no one would have ever looked at me before that and said, whoa, look at Bill. That's godly love. No, sadly, that would have never even come into their mind. I was selfish, prideful. I only loved in the worldly way. It was conditional and manipulative to the people that were around me. I didn't understand what real love is 
One of the things that surprised me the most, and I'll pass this on, I think most of you have already discovered this, I couldn't love anyone else until I knew what real love was. And I never knew what real love was until I knew the love of Christ. I never understood unconditional, permanent love, grace, and all that until I I'd experienced it, I'd tasted it. Then I could try and pass it along. Honestly, before that, I didn't understand what real love was. In the process, I hurt incredible numbers of people. And as I look back at those foolish years, it's really painful. Uh, I hurt other people. At times, I got hurt in relationships. And we all know the, the formula. If we open up our lives to someone else and invite them in, the more we let them in, the deeper the relationship, the greater the potential for hurt. And if someone lets us into their life and, and we abuse that privilege, the greater hurt that can take place for that. Because we live, really, in 2019, there's an epidemic of fake love. And it actually gets worse every year. These false prophets, false teachers, false talking heads have put out a fake temporary modern love as shown on TV, in movies, in music, and in our families, in our country, even in our churches, when even the most intimate relationships are coming apart. Parents, kids, families, oh, it, it's shattering. We've fallen away from real love that God offers as loving our neighbor to this self-centered, self-seeking a personal love where we control others to get our needs met. You know, the verses that we'll be talking about over the next several weeks will point us away from that false love to real love. But let's, let's talk about that real quick and, and talk about where it came from. Because inside of our culture, we've got a, a, the behavior and customs of this world which shows us a fake love. Or God's love, which is always good. I love that good pleasing and perfect inside of us. We've been taught and captured by empty philosophies that tell us that the most important kind of love that you have to have is self-love. One of the biggest lies of, of the modern psychological movement is that you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else. Now, I'm going to be honest. I have never had a problem loving myself. I don't think anyone really does. Uh, even in those situations where, oh, I did this, whatever that. We're just looking for sympathy. It's all about us. Sorry if you're in that mood today. Uh, but this, this self-love of one another, that's what's taught inside of our culture. So we can pass it on. And, and love is presented in, in oh so many ways uh, that, that come at us. So often, uh, we take the word love and apply it where it's really lust. Let me just, love is unselfish, giving, permanent, never changing. Lust is getting my needs met in the relationship. It's selfishness and it's self-focused. A big deal. If a young man tells a young lady, well, I love you, and if you love me, you'll do this, he, what he should just really come out and honestly, hey, I really lust you. Because that's the truth. That's what he's saying. He won't be honest with it. Because she'd, she'd dump the jerk. Uh, but, and rightfully so. By the way, if you're in that situation, dump the jerk. Uh, or vice versa. If, you, if, you're, if you're hanging out with someone who's manipulating all that other stuff, that's lust. That's not love. It's selfish. 
You know, and, and so many times in marriage today, I do a lot of marriage counseling, premarried counseling, and when they come in, it's very important to see, are they coming into this relationship, the primary goal to get their needs met? Or are they going into this relationship out of love for the other person to meet their needs and to serve them? You know, I, this one friend of mine, and probably shouldn't even share this, but it's so cool. Uh, his proposal to his girlfriend came out of uh, 1 Corinthians 7, where it said, you know, if you got lust, get married. So he proposes to his girl, says, men, aren't we clueless? Uh, she said no. Uh, just saying. But fake love is shown on TV. You see it all the time. 90% of the, the, the sex scenes that are shown, whether it's in music, whether it's in videos, whether it's on TV, is between un- unmarried people, uh, crossing boundaries that God has clearly put into place. And so it becomes so commonplace inside of our culture that the majority of people, 30% right away, are living together, living together. And there's another g- large percentage that are just going from date to date, affair to affair, Outside of marriage, uh, that's all fake love. Sexual affairs, pornography are all based on fake love. It's selfish. It's prideful. It's all over them. You know, this is, lust is selfish. And and God tells us that. God tells us that that lust is incredibly selfish. Because here's an example uh, for jealousy, selfishness. This isn't God's kind of wisdom. This isn't God's love. This isn't God's way of doing it. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and oh, get that, demonic. This is the power of Satan moving through us. Wherever there's jealousy, selfish ambition in relationships, there you'll find disorder and every kind of evil. What causes the quarrels among you? They come from evil desires within. We ask and, and we don't get, so we scheme, we kill to get it. Uh, we're jealous of what others have. You know, this, this back and forth, this is a description of fake love. This is the results that come out of, of having fake love inside of our lives. You know, my needs are more important. You know, if my life and your relationships are, becomes full of anger or jealousy or manipulation, false love. 40 years of marriage counseling, I'm able, this, is, this makes me sound smart, and I'm not, that what the Bible is, if you come to a biblical issue and, and we're standing like this, well, where's Jesus in this? What does God say? What is real love? And the great thing, when you meet with two Christian couples, they're stumbling over each other to be more godly and serve each other. I think that that is one of the most disgusting things that I've ever seen. They're just so godly. And so I try and straighten them out and sow some sin in their life. Just kidding. But that's real marriage and Christian with real love back and forth. Because every argument, yes, every argument flows out of pride or selfishness. Every argument, every conflict that cannot be solved. Not that husbands and wives don't have differences of opinion and difference of views. When it turns into an ongoing conflict that cannot be solved, it's pride and it's selfishness. It's not real love. This present. Fake love also shows up in our relationship with God. Because we live in a culture, I talk about biblical Christianity all the time. 
But what's rampant inside of our country is non-biblical Christianity. It's when people come to know Christ. They come to church. They come into a, they, they seek a relationship with God to get their own personal needs met. You know, this is uh, James, who was very straightforward. He says, you don't have what you, what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't ask. But here it is. When you ask, you don't get it because the motives are all wrong. You only want to get it for your own pleasures. So many people come to, come to a, a prayer to accept God with the expectation and asking, God, forgive me for this, forgive me for that. Thank you very much that you're going to give me heaven, you're going to do this. It, it, if they're not careful, most of those prayers are selfish. There's no sacrifice inside. There's no acknowledging who Christ is on the cross. They stand in front of the cross and they really want to use that to get eternal fire insurance. That's the modern uh, love. That's, that's fake love for God that goes through there. But And lust and fake love is conditional. I, I want to show you how educated I am. Uh, most, of you, most of you are ready to laugh already, ready? Uh, I guess I can't pronounce it. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. You got it? You see how... See how godly I am? I got that right out there and how intelligent. And everyone who watches the news right now knows exactly what that is. Because President Trump is going up for impeachment because of a quid pro quo that he supposedly initiated with the country of uh, Ukraine so that if they would investigate his political rival, then they would get military aid. Now, I could stop right now and you guys could argue for the rest of the time about whether that is or whether that isn't. I'm just using it as an example. Uh, but we all really know inside. The, no, just kidding. Don't do that, Bill. Uh, but, the, okay, Democrats over here. Republicans over here. Christians in the middle. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, we're, we're moving on. Uh, but the concept of this giving to receive is conditional love. It's manipulation. And so often we fall for it. I will do something used to almost totally. Well, totally, not almost totally. For as a Christian, anytime I did something, I expected payback. At some level, I never really processed it up here. But if I did something really nice for someone and they did a jerk alert on me, I'd go, what's with that? And I was, come on, I was just such a guy. That's not the way it works. We lay it in front of Christ because Christ died while we were sinners. You know, it says, don't, don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble in your thinking uh, that they're better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own personal interests. Don't negotiate. But take an interest in others. Have Christ's attitude in us. That's real love. And that's what we're in. I like the word commanded, but that's not really it totally. We're invited into that. We get to have that reality living inside of us. Uh, that's real love. But I'm going to just take a side note here, a side trip. In modern English, we use the word love for just about everything. You know, I uh, love my wife, I love my kids, I love pizza, I love my truck, I love chocolate. Oh man, I love my tools. Uh, <laughs> but I use the same word love, L-O-V-E, to describe my love for God. 
It's, it's confusing. One word in our culture, love, describes so many emotions and feelings and realities inside of our life. The Greek language that the New Testament was written in, it's an important insight, is to go back and understand the different words that the original Greek language, the original writers of the New Testament used. Uh, they, had, they had multiple words for what we all translate love. The first one is agape love. We spent quite a bit of time on that. Agape love is what we're commanded to have. You must love God. It's the greatest commandment. Agape. Gop, godly love. is humble, unselfish, conditional, unmerited, never changing, used to describe God's unselfish love for us. And it's the kind of love we're to have for others. This is agape love, special word put into practice in the Greek language. At the same time used in the Bible are other words that we all translate love. So there's a confusion. When you see the word love, uh, it could be eros. And, and we know what eros is. Eros is romantic love. It's erotic. It's emotional. It's a connection. It's not negative. It's not sinful if in the right context of marriage. It's, it's kind of the icing on the cake. You, you get to really get the, the bitter pats for the person that you agape. That's a gift. Uh, the next one is philia love. Affection or regard for friendship between equals. Uh, brotherly love, the city of Philadelphia. That's where they got the title. Uh, you're, you're working together for a common goal. It's philia. Sorge love is, is parents, children, children, family love for one another. It's a totally different feeling for family uh, that, that's there. And now here's the one that wasn't in the Bible. The Greek word uh, philatio, whatever that is, don't have any idea. It means self-love. Self-love in, in, in the Bible or in, in the Greek is to love yourself, regard for one's own happiness and advantage. Now, in our culture, it has been both presented as a human basic need by Mr. Maslow and his pyramid of needs, and also as a moral flaw in the Bible akin to vanity and selfishness. Now, this development of self-love, self-image, self-actualization is not biblical. It's, it's, it's not biblical, and yet we're taught it's so important. I'd never, in my biggest heathen days, had any problem loving myself. I loved myself to the detriment of everyone around me because I, I, I ran my own life. And we see that today inside of our world. They, they took, a, they, they spend, I, I give this example too often, they spend hundreds of millions of dollars to build the self-esteem of prisoners in the prison system. And then they took the time just to think about that and did a study. Guess who's got the highest self-image in the prison population? The most violent of criminals. The rapists, the murderers, the beaters, the, all of these people, uh, that total disregard for other people, they had high self-esteem. And so we're spending hundreds of millions of your dollars to give them more self-esteem so they can become more self-focused, self-centered, and feel that they can use other people to their pleasure. I'm done. That's my political uh, comment on that stuff. We are whack. That is, that's not love. That's lust. Now, two sources of love, quickly, we know this. Supernatural love comes from God. Natural love, eros, phileo, uh, all of these things 
Valencia and, and all these, they, they're just natural as part of it. They're, it's just part of who we are. We're wired. We want to love our families. We, we enjoy the Eros love. It's a great deal. We love brotherly love. It's good. But now, with the rest of the time, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about God's love, a supernatural agape, agape love. Let's, let's talk about what that looks like. It's first, God demonstrates his own love. We'll come back to that toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's, we're justified by his blood. So, so the wrath of God goes to Christ and not us. We're told again not to be selfish, not to look out for it. Real love that God does. First off, it's, it's real. It's demonstrated by action. It's unconditional. It's humble. It's unselfish. And real love is supernatural. Because the whole series is based on what we're seeing here. We're just going to take a moment and unpack that. Real love is demonstrated. I, uh, I, I had to go to the New American Standard to get this word demonstrated. Because that's what the original language means. It's demonstrated. It's put on display. It's put out so you can see it. When you demonstrate something, you're showing it so other people can see it. God demonstrated his love for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's what he offered. It's, it's action. He took action in each, each of these areas that, that are before him. No negotiation. He just loved us. So let's, as we go forward in that, that's, that's the first thing on, on God's thing. He was, first off, it's, it's demonstrated. It's unconditional. No terms, no negotiation, no nothing that's there. It's humble. Thinking of others is more important than ourselves. It's, it's unselfish. It sacrifices for the other person. And the truth is that it is, it is supernatural in its application. Now here's the challenge. We can't have that kind of love. Naturally. Human beings cannot love unselfishly because our human nature is driven by selfish instincts to protect ourselves, to guard ourselves. Something radical has to happen to allow any human being to love humbly, unselfishly, unconditionally, and to demonstrate that love. We have to be changed. We have to be radically changed. 2 Corinthians 7.16 tells us that we are radically changed in Christ. Let me just read it as we go on. At, at, at one time, we thought Christ merely from a human standpoint. We looked at Christ from a human standpoint. You know, how differently we know him now. Once we belonged to Christ, once we became part of Christ... We were transformed and changed. Anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new creature. Old life is gone. New life has begun. All this is a gift from God. This transformation that takes place inside of our lives is radical. An old life ends, a new life begins as we go forward. And it, it's talked about in the Old Testament, in, in, in Ezekiel, it says that here's what God's going to do. It says, I'm going to take out your stony heart your hard heart, your human heart. And, and instead of that, I want to put in a soft, 
tender heart, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will be able to follow my decrees and carefully obey my regulations. This is God moving inside of us to give us a new heart. And here's, so, so now we've got a new heart. We've got God's spirit living through us. We desire, it's a transformation on the inside. Everything is new. And our old self was crucified with Christ. One of my life verses. I had to die. And so do you if you want Christ to live through you. We can't have both. The natural life is anti-Christ, if you allow that term in here. It's anti-Christ. We have to have the real Christ living through us so that we can love other people as we go. That's, that's the challenge that's in front of us, crucified with Christ, Christ in us. <coughs> and we produce a love that is supernatural. And because God wants to make sure we understand, he gives us a description of real love. He says that, that love is... Love is patient. And, and of course it is. It's patient with the other person. Uh, it's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Never demands its own way. Not irritable. It keeps no record of wrong. When hurt, it keeps no record. It just washes it away and, 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 and forgives. Doesn't rejoice in injustices. Always looks at truth. Never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures in all circumstances. This is biblical love. This is the standard that the world sees in, in followers of Christ. And they say, they're different. This is the new Christ. Love, and, and love is a verb. It, it submits to the object of our love. Love submits. You know, when a husband marries a wife, he submits to her needs, and a wife submits to her husband's needs. It's just mutual sub submission. When we say, we call Christ Lord, we'll do what he says. If we don't, we're actually denying our love for him. So this love is, is commanded. It's ongoing. And I love this, this. By the way, this last verse, it says, we know uh, we love God, and, and we love God and obey his commandments. Uh, loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. You know, I, I'll give you a, a, a side bet, if you're allowed to do that in here. Probably not, but we'll do it anyway. I'll give you a side bet. If you're in a conflict, if you start obeying God's commands of forgiveness, grace, and mercy, that conflict's going to go away. Because one of the participants just backed out. And on the other side, if you continue to pile on the junk, it's going to go the other way. Now, what's more burdensome? It's like parents that say, oh, parenting godly ways, it's too much work. Yeah, let those little heathen run and see how much fun it is at 16. A little reign of terror in the house, never mind. Uh, so, so first off, it's, we, we submit to the object of our love. Next, also it means serving others. Serving others inside of our lives. As Christ gave up his life, we're called to give up our lives. That's real love. If we hang on to our life, we'll lose it. We give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If we've got something that can help someone else, we should give it. If we can do something to help a neighbor, uh, someone else, we should do that. Because that shows Christ to them. 
Again, love one another, and that will prove to the world. Every time we serve someone else out of love for Christ, unselfishly, we're honoring Christ in it. That's real love. And so each week, we're going to unpack real love as we go forward. This, Jesus said you must love God. You must love your neighbor. Very clear, this, this humble, unselfish love that is supernatural. But now, I want to just spend just a moment with this, this concept of loving God. It's rational. It's reasonable. I said this earlier, if, if we don't love a God who created the world, spoke it into existence, and then became a baby to die for us on a cross, we don't understand love. You can't look at that reality in our lives without responding in love and submission to it. It would be irrational. If, if most people in here, I would say, hold the basics of Christianity, that God sent his son and his son came and died for us. We hold that up here. But if that's the reality here, with our mind and with our heart and with our soul, then we will love God. To do so is insanity on steroids or just denial of the truth. It, it really is that clear as we go forward. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're God and that you have given us a gift a gift of love, unconditionally, unselfish, unmerited love. Love that cannot be taken away. Love that is ours. Neither height nor depth nor principalities nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus. Lord, it is right, it is proper that we stop and and we worship you. We love you. We serve you and, and we love and serve those around us who you died for also. So Lord, as, as we go into worship, as we, as we take a moment to acknowledge the reality of who you are, let our hearts be touched. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.